Lead us and protect us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Kids, you can go to Kids Church. Yes. The race is on. Oh, man. Amy, can you bring me back two paper plates, please? Thank you. Yes. Doesn't matter how big or small they are. I just need two paper plates. I know what you're thinking. What's you need two paper plates for? Well, it's not for a candle holder. That's what I did on, uh, we had the, <laughs> the Jesus for Jesus guy come in and I did not have my candle holders like I was supposed to, nor my candles, but I knew where the candles were. I didn't, I couldn't find the candle holders. So I used a paper plate and I turned those, that bad boy to a beautiful candle holder. If I did say so myself, and what matter what Hiram thought, right? He did uh, text and say thank you uh, twice for having us here. Um, I was, thank you for being a blessing to his family and to his ministry. Um, that is always exciting. So the message this morning is entitled Real. And I couldn't come up with anything better than that, so I, I left it that way. And I need a couple of volunteers this morning to eat an apple for me. All right, so I got some apples here, and I need my, where are they at here? Do I get to eat the whole thing, or do I have to just take one bite? No, I need the whole thing ate by the end of the service. Yeah. Okay, so... I have. Uh, Is that a gala? Yeah, it could be. I have a couple red delicious up here. I have a Fuji. I don't have any galas, unless this is a gala. Do you want this one, Phil? There you go. Jamie, you want to get that one? Sure. All right, I'll keep this one here. Anybody else? All right. All right. All right. Here we go. Now. What do we have uh, observations on these apples? They all look pretty good up here, right? This one's a little spotty and stuff. I would say, Phil's, yours look probably the best, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'm gonna have Karen take a bite of it. Yeah. <laughs> the problem with Phil's is, you can toss that one back up here if you can get her here. Thank you, sir. That's fake. It's a fake apple. <laughs> yours is real, yours is real. So I got, I got plates for you guys. What are the plates for? Because I need the seeds. I need you to, to dig the seeds out. That's what, that's the goal. By the time you get done, I need the seeds for the end of the sermon. So, I got, let's see, Phil, here you go. Nice red delicious there for you. Oh, wow. So, I got, I saw this illustration done by uh, Steve Wagner. Uh, he's down at Tremont. He's my buddy that's uh, helped me with the D groups, things like that. And he did this uh, powerful testimony about his grandpa and, um, just really amazing story. So what do we see in some of the similarities and some of the differences of these apples? You can either shout them out, you can talk to your neighbor right next to you. Um, what do you what are some of the similarities and differences? Mine has a bite in it. Yours has a bite in it, yes. What did you say? Size. Yeah, size. This one's a little bit bigger. Color. Color. This one's definitely pretty, right? It's nice uniform, great for display. This one's even got green on it. You kind of, if you get up close, you can see the sugar spots coming through on it. So it's kind of like, oh, it's not, doesn't look great. They're both round. They're both round. Good. There's some similarities to them. They're 
They're shiny. They are shiny. If you could feel them, yours is cold, right? It was, thank you. Yes, this one is not. This one's warm. That was probably your first indicator. It wasn't real, plus that it bounced out of your hand because it was so light. This is made of styrofoam, right? How do I know that? Because Steve had uh, some of the, he took this over to Africa and they actually bit into this apple. Um, and they leave you dry and that taste that's disgusting, right? Um, yes. And so as you look at these things, you also see a nice pretty stem on this one. You can't see the stem. It's kind of a busted off stem. Yours guys do have a stem. What if we look at the inside? What do we have on yours that we don't have in this one? Seeds. Seeds. That's right. We got seeds in these apples, right? And that's going to come back, and we're gonna, that's going to make sense by the end of the, of the sermon here. So as we look at the similarities and differences, um, we're going to talk about at the end, what did you learn? So I'm going to have you turn to your neighbor at the end of this and say, what did you learn? So I want you to pull out one point from the sermon today that you can share with your neighbor that you learned. I'm going to warn you now so that you're ready when we get down there. God wants to transform us by using ordinary things to turn into extraordinary love. Ordinary acts of kindness, like handing out boxes, like mowing your neighbor's lawn, like walking your neighbor's dog, possibly, things of that nature, and he's going to turn them into extraordinary acts of love. Let's look at the example that we have as Jesus reinstates Peter in today's passage. In John chapter 21, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5, and we're going to see what God has done through Jesus Christ to restore Peter. What has Peter done not too long ago? He denied him three times. Who predicted that he was going to deny him, deny him three times? Jesus did. What did he also say in Luke? He said, when you do that, remember and turn back to me. Okay? Remember and turn back to me. So there's this little bit of hope that in Peter's mind... As he's denied him, he's gone through this grieving process and he gets to the end of it and he's like, but he said to turn back to me. And last two times that we saw him, he didn't smote me. So that's a good sign, right? You know what it means to be smoted? It means to be poof, turned into a puffle, puffle, a puffle. It's a thing of smoke and uh, ash. So let's look at one through five. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, named, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out on the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied, which reminds me, do you know what's premiering tonight? Do you know, Phil? Do you know what's premiering tonight? Episode, or season three of The Chosen is premiering tonight, so I thought I'd let you know. What's, I think it's episode one, or it's a big hoopla to get you to watch the next season. I'm not sure which but I think it's episode one of season three. So, 
<laughs> William's like, yay, we got more Bible studies. Um, chasing fake apples. That's what Peter was doing. He was chasing fake apples, right? He looked and he saw this kingdom and he's like, man, that looked, that looked like a great earthly kingdom. And if we had Jesus in charge and we had the Messiah, we could look to the Messiah for our salvation from the Romans. And Jesus is like, I got so much more than just Rome at, at stake here. And the Jewish people. Look at all these Gentiles. They need a Savior too. He's been alluding to that all the way through up, throughout his New Testament stance. If you look at that, oh, many of the passages he quotes is that he is opening the way for the Gentiles to come to know him personally as well. Okay? So... Chasing fake apples. Peter's not sure what to do. He has left his old life to follow Jesus, but now Jesus has died and he's risen to life. And besides, what does this all mean? Additionally, where's my relationship? I need to have a DTR. You guys know what that is? If you're in high school, you should know what a DTR is. Is to define the relationship i got to define the relationship. Where do I stand? Where are we at? Are we, are we dating? Are we serious? Are we, you know, that's the high school version of it. But in, in, it's very similar to Peter's case. Are we, are we like not speaking? Are we friends? Are we besties like we used to be? Can I challenge you like I, I have down the past? Or are you going to challenge me? That's the relationship I want. Right? Jesus told him... When the times get tough because of sin, repent and turn back to Jesus and strengthen your brothers. Where do you find that? Luke twenty-two thirty-two. Okay, Luke twenty-two thirty-two is what he says. That's right after he says, you're going to deny me three times. When you do that, turn back and strengthen your brothers. Peter's done that so far. He's trying to be in relationship with Christ. This is easy to do. Um, to, to fall on back into our old addictions, to get, go back to our past, to remember our old self, to remember our comfortable self. But when we do these things and we turn away from Christ's mission for our lives, does Jesus throw us away? No. Jesus doesn't get to the end of the core and throw us in the trash can. He collects the seeds, doesn't he? So, does he move on from Peter? It's like, well, Peter, you had your chance to be the head of the church. No, he doesn't. He goes right back to Peter and says, you're going to be the head of the church. Get ready. Right? It's interesting how he, he phrases it, though. He always calls him Simon until he restores him. At least that's the way um, John writes it. He calls him Simon, son of Jonah. And then after he restores him, that's when he starts calling him Peter again, Simon Peter. I think that was very interesting. Peter has settled for a fake apple. The earthly kingdom, Peter thought, is a broken dream. He can't get his mind around the spiritual kingdom that Jesus talks about. Besides, who would want to work for a guy that has denied him three times? How can I be in relationship with a guy I can't trust? That's what he's thinking. I wouldn't do it. 
Jesus would do it, though. Right? Jesus is such a sucker. Isn't he? I, I, every to, I, I sin against Jesus every day, and he takes me back all the time. Now, when I see that I have guilt in my heart, and I want to get restored back to him like Peter does, I know that the Spirit is working. Okay, there's, a, there's a point where guilt is good. After you've restored that relationship, you can work then on um, bringing it back in relationship with him. You don't have to remember that sin anymore because it's not going to hold it against you. And so restoration starts in then. After all, is Peter really much different than Judas? Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. Is there much difference? Well, yes and no, right? Because it comes down to a matter of the heart. I can't judge Peter's heart. I can't judge Judas's heart. The big thing that we have with Peter is that he gave Jesus the opportunity to restore him. Judas took it into his own hands, literally, and killed himself. So they're both heart issues, but Peter's heart and Judas's heart are in two different places. Peter's could be restored. Judas never gave Jesus a chance. So remember, Jesus and God, they want to transform us by using ordinary things with extraordinary love. Let's continue on. John 21, 6 through 14. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side, this guy standing on the shore, which happens to be Jesus, of the boat, and you will get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. And then the disciples, Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for his strip for work, and he jumped into the water, and he headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a, a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some fish you have caught, he said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish and yet the net had not torn. A fisherman counting fish, large fish, and noting that they hadn't torn, he was like, this is significant. He remembered it the rest of his life. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord, and Jesus served them the bread and the fish, and this was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. So what do we need to do? We have our fake apples. We need to surrender our fake hopes and dreams to the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? We need to give them up. We need to say, Lord, they're yours. You can have them. I'm not going to pursue what I have to pursue anymore. I'm not going to Go after my hopes and dreams. I'm going to make your hopes and dreams my hopes and dreams, and I'm going to pursue that. Where was Peter's heart? I think it was staring at the fake apple, but he was longing for the real deal. He's looking at that fake apple, and he's wondering, well, how am I going to take this 
and turn it into this. This one looks so good. And all I have is denial and I'm kind of impulsive. I speak my mind. I, I can, can't even fish today. I went to fish. I'm supposed to be a fisherman. I fished all night, didn't catch a thing. You remind you of another story that Peter had? It does me. He was longing for the real deal. Peter was searching. He couldn't quite get a hold of what he wanted, so he went fishing. And what happens? He goes out all night. He can't catch a thing. Probably caught a cold, and that was about it, right? Then someone on shore throws, says, throw the net on the other side. Yeah, like that works. I've tried everything, though. So I'm going to unbunch all my nets. I'm going to put them on the other side of the boat, and then I'm going to throw them in backwards. It never works. They end up catching 153 large fish. You ever wonder why it says large fish there? This is only a Shane House speculation, so I don't know if this is true. But I wondered if Jesus wanted to get right to the point of forgiveness and restoration. So he didn't want them to sort the fish. He wanted to, they're all good. Leave them, count them, barrel them. Let's get to the fire, right? And what does Jesus do at the fire? He serves them, right? He serves them. Praise God. He serves them. John, I think he recognizes Jesus right away. He says, it's the Lord. It says, the one whom Jesus loved, right? That's John. He's referring to himself. He never names himself. Have you seen this in men's lives before? Have we ever seen this in happen before? Yes, the last time Jesus left his, last time Peter left his nets and followed Jesus, Jesus reminding Peter to die to his old self and trust Jesus. Die to your old self, use what I've given you, and trust that I have something better for you. We are called to a life of surrender to the Lord. We can all get up, caught up in the trap of being the best. I got to be the best. Or I'm not good enough. That's another trap, isn't it? Oh, I'll never be good enough. I'll never aspire to be the kingdom that he wants me to be. And I can't do it. And we start feeling sorry for ourselves, right? But just as long as we don't get stuck there, Jesus is like, yeah, no, you can't do it. That's kind of why I had to come, right? How many people are going to get to heaven by good works today? I was just fixing my hair, so I can't do it. You can't do it. Jesus didn't even necessarily do it through good works. He did it by righteousness, right? And when we have faith in him, his righteousness gets us to heaven. So we depend on Jesus to get us to heaven. That's where we're going. That's why we need to surrender to the Lord. So we try to get caught up in chasing the best. We try to have the best job, the best, maybe we try to be the best mother of the year, the happiest person award. Maybe we chase the best high, whether that's um, in our friends group, um, artificially or whatever, or we try to find and we search for the best way to forget. If I could just drown my sorrows, 
then I could be something better. Maybe we're trying to be the best-looking person. You know, if I was just the most handsome person they could be. You didn't have to laugh that hard, Phil. I was totally going to make a joke out of it, so it works perfectly. Um, or the best-looking Christian. You know, if we, if we look good on the outside for the world to see, wow, look what he's doing. What's the problem with that? That's good works, isn't it? When we try to look a certain way. Well, if, and here's the danger of that. If you ever have somebody come up to you and say, well, Shane doesn't struggle with that. Or if I could try to be like Shane, that's the problem. Insert your name here, right? If, if I could just be like this, your heart better break, your clothes better rip, like you're weeping and mourning. You never, ever want somebody to point to you. You always want them to look up. If they're pointing to you, you've done your job wrong, and you are in grave danger of pride, right? You want them to look up. You've missed the point, or I've taught you wrong, but you need to be looking at Jesus, not me. And if anybody's ever pointing at themselves instead of Jesus, you need to run, okay? The problem with these things Without Christ, they're dead inside. But First uh, Corinthians chapter thirteen, the chapter on love, right? It's just a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. It doesn't have any meaning. It doesn't work. It's time to surrender our fake apples. It's time to let them go and allow God to show us the real McCoy, to show us the real deal. What? He has for us is sweet, it's delicious, and it's what's on the inside that matters and not what's on the outside, the exterior. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 27 through 29 says, Instead, God chose the things of this, the world considers foolish in order to shame the things that are wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those that are powerful. God chose the, those despised by the world, the things counted as nothing at all and uses them to bring nothing bring to nothing what the world considers important as a result no one can ever boast in the presence of God when i do youth ministry it's inevitably we'll eventually get the outcasts in in the youth group and why because the world's throwing them away, and we won't throw them away around here. Um, we will show them discipline sometimes, but we won't throw them away. We will accept them for who they are and what they've discovered, and we won't throw them away. Because God chooses the ordinary to do wonderful things, to do miracles through. Why is he going to do somebody that already looks extraordinary to do extraordinary things? Because they're doing it under their own power. It's not what God wants to do. God wants to use the ordinary to do extraordinary so that he gets the glory and not me, right? So we have to search and find his apple, not ours. Yes, 
It doesn't look pretty. And who put the sticker on Apple anyways, unless you're trying to cover up a spot? And they didn't on this one, right? You ever notice that in grocery store apples? They always put a stick of sticker or the spot that's bad. Yes, it doesn't look pretty. It may have the spots, and there might not be a very big stem or no stem at all, but wow, what a flavor. Amen? The flavor of life with Jesus Christ in it is amazing. It is delicious. It is something that I won't let go of because it satisfies we were watching uh, the first two Pirates of the Caribbean movie. In the, in the first movie, the pirate, he's like, I have a belonging to taste an apple because he's dead on the inside. And it was a great illustration that when Christ fills us, we can taste those apples. When death fills us, it tastes like styrofoam. It doesn't work. It doesn't look pretty. But man, it tastes great. Remember, God wants to transform us by using ordinary things with extraordinary love. Verses 15 through 19. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says, then feed my lambs. Jesus told him, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus says. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do all that you like. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and the others will dress you and take you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to let him know that by what kind of death he would glorify God. And then he told him, follow me. The last words and the first words we see spoken to Peter are the same. Follow me. And he reminds him many times through, Follow me, Peter. Follow me. Paul has to remind him after Jesus dies, or goes to heaven, ascends. He doesn't, after he ascends to heaven. Hey, get back to your real apples. Get off your fake ones when it comes to Jewish, Jewish eating and food customs. The real apple. Simon, son of John in uh in the King James, the son of Jonah. They'd be very similar in the, in the name as well, right? So where else do we see Peter's name like this? Where is he called that? It's in John chapter 1 when he first comes on the scene in verse 42. And what does Jesus say then? Follow me. Follow me. Time when the truth of God... The gospel hit home. Do you remember that? you remember when you saw me as the authentic Messiah, the Savior of the world? Do you remember that moment? You had the real apple there. And then you distorted it into something that was fake, that was wrong. And it wasn't quite right. It looked close. It looked good. It was an apple. It wasn't a pear or a steak, right? At least it got the fruit group right. 
but he painted it up to look something that wasn't supposed to be. Did you know every time that Jesus asks him, the first two times he says, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally is what that means. And Peter both times replies, the first two times he replies, Lord, I love you like a brother, which is phileo love. He says, I love you like a brother. Because he, he says, I can't say I love you unconditionally because I haven't loved you unconditionally. You know that only you can do that. I think Peter's starting to understand it, starting to get it. But I love you like a brother, like a best friend. I hope you understand that I love you like a brother. I won't deny you. I understand what it means to follow you. And the last time Jesus asked, do you love me like a brother? And Peter says, you know everything. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. How many times does Jesus restore Peter? Three times. He asks him in a way that is out of his control. And then he asks him in a way that is in his control. And he could see that Jesus is restoring that relationship. And then he tells him how he's going to die. I don't know if I want to know that. He's like, you're going to be hung on a cross. Basically, is what he tells him here, right? And, and how does Peter die? He's hung on the cross upside down because he's not worthy to be... Um, yeah, he made him hang him upside down because he's not worthy to be hung like his, his Savior was crucified. Does Jesus focus on the failure? No. He says, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. It's in the past. Your heart is mine now. You've given it to me. You've surrendered. And so therefore, we're back on mission. Get back on mission. He uses the illustration of an ordinary sheep to show extraordinary love, doesn't he? That's what Jesus does. I have a purpose for your life. I have a plan for your life. Finally, Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? And we see the change in the language here. And Simon, do you love me like a brother? This hurt Peter, you know, I phileo you. Peter knew his love was not unconditional. He could only phileo Jesus. Peter remembered what his apple looked like, didn't he? Remembered what it looked like because he could start to taste it in his mouth. He knew that's what I have. Philippians 4 8 and 9 reminds us how we're supposed to follow and how we're supposed to enjoy those real apples. It says, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you've heard from me and saw me doing then the God of peace will be with you. Might be with you. I've heard about the fact that he, he, he exists. No, he will be with you. Like Peter, Jesus is transforming our nature to desire. What is true, what is honorable, what is right, 
and pure and lovely and admirable. He's taking those characteristics, planting them into our heart, into our lives, and we are to remember that God wants to transform us by using an ordinary me and allow it to produce extraordinary love. Let's finish up John 21 and John the Gospel with 20 through 25. Peter turned around and saw behind them that the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread, excuse me, among the community of believers that this Disciple would not die, but that isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here, and we know that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would, not, that would be written, I mean. Keep your eyes on the apples that have seeds. I'm going to be asking you how many seeds are in your apples pretty soon, so if you count them up, I'd appreciate that. How soon has Jesus, so how soon has Peter truly seen his real apples for the first time? I think it was, he's had glimpses before, but he's starting to see the real picture. Now he is looking at, at John's apples, and he's going, well, what about him? And Jesus brings him back and says, hey, what, what did we just talk about? Remember? Remember and follow me. Kick your eyes here and follow me. Don't take it off. Don't lose focus, Peter. First ADHD person in the Recorded, I think, is, was Peter. What, what about him? No, no, come back here. So if he can work on Peter and direct him like that, he can do the same for us. What apple has the Lord given you and put in your care? What apple has the Lord put in you and put in your care? Don't look at other people's responsibilities. Don't look at what they have and what they need to do. Jesus says, keep your eyes where I want them to focus. So apple eaters, how many seeds do you have? You had five? Nine? Ooh, that's a happy producing apple. What do you got, Maggie? You got six? Wow, so we had uh, um, some happy apples there, right? So we're, we're averaging right around seven, seven and a half, right? For seeds. It's like Jesus, do you think Jesus is asking how many seeds are in the apples? I don't think so. I think it's like this. How many apples are in each seed? Does that make sense? If we look at this apple and we have six, five, and nine seeds, we're like, well, those are, those are what we have for Bring in to Christ. I'm going to bring nine people to Christ. I'm going to bring six. I'm going to bring five. 
Jesus doesn't look at it like that. He wants disciple makers, right? He wants us to look at those seeds and see the potential that they have for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they can produce seeds, and they can produce seeds, and they can produce seeds. And how many apples are now in each tree? Jesus deals in multiplication, right? He doesn't say you get nine, six, or three apples. He says 30 to 60 to 90 times. That's how you get that equation, right? One stock of wheat, you look at one seed, you don't say, well, that's going to give us 60. No, it's going to give us thousands because it's going to create a seed that can create a seed that can create a seed and plant for the gospel. So it's not how many seeds are in the apples, it's how many apples are in the seed. Jesus says it this way in John 12, 24, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and died, it remains alone. But it, its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Remember, God wants to transform us by using ordinary things with extraordinary love. As we finish up today, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, this is what I learned um, from this lesson. What's something that you can apply to your heart today? I'll give you a few minutes, and then I'll close in prayer. Look at that. We're, app- we're already applying the lessons that we have learned, aren't we? That's a good thing. It's something I want to do more in the future. It's probably going to become a habit around here. That way we can go and uh, share the gospel in our own lives. That way it'll apply and go right into the, our, our week. So let's pray for that week. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our time together. Lord, we pray for Steve as he's going to be going into surgery tomorrow. We pray for those that are hurting and lost and broken. We pray that you would lift them up. Lord, we pray for Adam. We pray that you would uh, allow him to heal and endure through uh, this healing process. Lord, we pray for David. We pray that your strength uh, would be there for him as well. We pray for um, tenacity for um, and patience and strength to work with those that are ailing, that you would uh, strengthen them up and, and lift them up. Uh, for your gospel message. Lord, we pray for those that weren't able to be here with us today, and we pray that you would give them uh, courage, strength, and uh, just remember what it means to follow the Lord. Uh, Lord, we thank you uh, that we were able to come together uh, to praise you this morning. I pray that the gospel would sink into our heart, and then it would come out in our lips, and it come out in our hands and feet as we praise you. Guide and direct us, lead us, and protect us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Yeah.